title of the message today is, as Glenn asked me over and over this morning until he finally got it, is, what do you want? And he asked me again, no, like, what's the title of your message? What do you want? So that's the title, what do you want? It really is a basic question. It's not uh, asking what do you want in life. Everybody asks that question, cliche. What do you want the most of? You know, do you want more of this, more of that? It's really uh, not saying what do you want to see happen. It's saying what do you, capital Y-O-U, want? I'm going to start today with defining some features and benefits, give you a couple of analogies. I'm going to talk about Jesus. That's always good to do, some things, that, some things that Jesus said right from his mouth. And then I'm going to fire up your spirits, get you guys rolling, and then close with some practical how-to, practical how-to-do what I'm preaching today, and get some commitments. Quite simply, if I were to talk about features and benefits, I would talk about a car. So you're going to go buy a car, and a salesman there, he's going to tell you all the features of the car. So it's got anti-lock brakes, it's got GPS, it's got... The cars today, you know, are crazy. It's got a touchscreen radio, you know, it's got backup sensors, a backup camera, you know, all these features that a car comes with today, especially if you were by a fully loaded one. But he didn't really tell you the benefits. He didn't tell you the benefits of those features. I'm still echoing a little, guys. Um, he doesn't tell you the benefits of those features. He uh, just told you the features of the car. So that's all good, you know, but every maker gives you those features. You know, every car has anti-lock brakes. Most all of them now have the GPS. Most all of them have seatbelts, you know. All the features, AC. Just if you were to tell you the benefits, you would say this car has anti-lock brakes. But not only that, it has a special, they can give it any kind of name now, EPS, Emergency Practical Safety System, which gives you even better control when you hit those wet roads and stuff like that. Uh, the AC, that keeps you cold. Everybody knows what AC is, but ours has rear AC. So the back of the van and the car can get cold just as well as the front of the van. So now they're explaining some benefits that those features give you. So that's just real basic. Oftentimes, uh, we get into a car that has features that we didn't even know it had. Has anyone ever done that? You get in a car and I'm like, what's this thing? Oh, cool. You, know, you had no idea that feature was in the car. Uh, for a long time, I remember a friend was opening up his trunk with the key, but if you were to pop his glove box open, kind of like the Regal my wife and I had, and pop the button there, that would pop the trunk. And he had no idea it was there. Like, oh, my gosh, the button's right there. He had no idea. It was, a fe- it was a feature that the car came with. Now, a lot of people would say, well, just get the book. Read the book. Have you ever seen that book? It's like, you know, it's, it's this thick. And who came up with, you know, 1-123? And then if you're looking for this subject, it's 2-17. It's like, just give page numbers, 1 to whatever number, you know. But it's clunky and it's hard, and everywhere you read is always a warning somewhere. Warning, warning, warning. You know, car makers are protecting themselves. Um, and there's a funny story is when we were growing up in 88 or 87, my parents bought their very first brand new car. Up to that point, it was Jews or hand-me-downs or, you know, it would work for a year and have to get another car. Well, they bought a brand new, I want to say it was an 88 Plymouth Voyager back when Plymouth and Caravan were coming out with those vans. And it was the coolest thing, you know, the coolest brand new van, nice seats, and everything was just new. So for us kids, it was awesome. And we, we had purchased it when they were up in Massachusetts. So uh, the windows were always down. It was always nice up there. During the summer, you know, it was a little hot. Now, we were used to never having AC. So we never really turned the AC on in the van. We just didn't. 
but the van came with AC. And I asked my parents about this, and they vaguely remember this, but I really remember it, so I'm pretty sure it happened, was the, your steering wheel is here and you had your shifter, and right below that was your thermostat, your display. So it was really inconvenient where it was. So the very first tab, they were pushing. So you just push them in and they kind of stayed in, kind of like the old radios where you had AM and you press it in and it would take it to the next AM station. Well, it was the same deal. And then it had high and low and then temperature, hot or cold. So we would push it in, no AC, nothing blowing. Like, well, that's weird. You know, and in those days you didn't get a warranty with your car. You know, you had to spend extra. Well, they weren't going to spend extra. So, you know, they couldn't take it in and have them go fix it and fix it. You were worried it was going to cost money. So we just left it alone. Eventually we moved to Florida, way hotter down here. <laughs> and we were like, oh my gosh, you know, let's make this AC work. Well, I'm not sure if my dad looked at the book or he just kind of figured it out and read it. was really small type right above the push. It says push, pull. <laughs> that's what Plymouth came up with. You push it in and then you pull it out. So my dad did that, and the motor made a weird noise. The compressor kicked on. We were like, yay, AC. I don't know how long we had the van before we realized that we could make the AC work. So there was a feature that we did not know until we you know, investigated and figured it out. So I'm telling you all this to say, uh, as Christians, let's look at that analogy as Christians. We are all given a vehicle in life to travel to this world. So when we become saved... God gives us this vehicle that's fully loaded, got every option you can think of, features galore, and we drive around, we drive through this world, and too often we don't know all the features. A lot of the features of this car are just amazing, and the benefits are even more amazing, but we don't know where they are, how to use them. And then there is a manual. All of you are holding one. (laughs) Helen's holding one. But it's a big, thick book, too. It's a lot of stuff in there. So we don't really want to read it, you know? But we, um, like I said with the instruction manual, so I would submit to you that while we know most, if not of all these features and benefits, especially if you've been a Christian a long time, you hear it every week, you're, um, we just consistently fail to use them all or to use them all correctly. Do we know all the benefits? Well, here's a few. Receive a personal connection with Jesus Christ. We know that. Receive the Holy Spirit with, as a help and companion with your, through your life. We know that. We receive victory over sin. We take on the virtues of Christ and it's be transformed into his image. We have peace. We have rest. A lot of us, I do, struggle with that one. But we, we can live with life without anxiety. Fruits of the Spirit come into our lives. Love, peace, joy, gentleness, meekness, temperance, long-suffering. And then uh, life is, eventually, we'll have eternity with the Lord. When we, like the song, 10,000 years. Forevermore we will be with the Lord. So those are the benefits. We all know those benefits. So the, what are the features of being a Christian? Well, I sat really long and hard of what is a feature of becoming a Christian. And I really couldn't come up with this really great list. I mean, we, we can speak in tongues. Um, we can lay on hands for healing, uh, we, ha- we can have a faith, God living with, you know, it's just really hard to, like, pin it down to, like, a feature, because most of them are really just benefits. A benefit of being with the Lord is now you can speak in tongues. I mean, that's a benefit. That's not really a feature. I can tell you a little, expound a little more on what the benefits are. So I really came down to what my message was, what do you want? 
And the feature I can really think of is the most important feature as a Christian is the ask. Or if you have a GM car, the OnStar button. <laughs> Did you know that Jesus invented ask.com? <laughs> Way before Google, Yahoo, <laughs> ask.com, Jesus was the first ask.com. He had a server all set up, and he was ready to meet the needs of everybody. Uh, we'll never have a shutdown. We'll never have an overload. But he really did. He, he was the very first ask.com. Most of us are, most of the driving we do today is stuff that we do on autopilot. When Tonio goes to work, he knows the way to work. He just fires his car up. This car can almost do it by itself. He may change a route here and there if he wants to, but we all pretty much know the places that we always go to, it's pretty much basic. We don't have any anxiety where we're going when we're going to go do that. True? Where it gets tricky is taking a route that we have never taken before. Now today, with the GPS, it's not always the case, although every now and then you can still get mixed up with the GPS. You have now arrived, and it's still a mile down the road. You're like, you know, but it'll get you there close. And, but in the old days, it was like, yeah, so you're going to look for the tree with the red leaves, and then there's a stop sign, take a left, and that's Kenwood. Go down about, I don't know, three miles. You're going to see a big red barn. You know, that was the old days. You just rode down these directions. And so there's a little bit of uncertainty if you're going to get to your destination. True? So going back to what do you want, what do you ask for, how do you ask for what you want? How do we use this ask feature that comes with being a Christian? Well, first, asking is not wishing and it's not daydreaming. It's not Disney. That's not asking, you know, when you wish upon a star, you know, all that daydreaming stuff. It's not that. When Jesus went anywhere, he always knew what to ask, and he always knew what to say. He knew what he wanted, and he didn't wish it, he just said it. And then he said, you can do the same. There is uh, so much that we know biblically, that big manual, but we never really practice all of it because we're so unsure of what to do. We're a little unsure of, okay, I know that's what it says, but how do I really apply it? You know, how do I really make this work? And we, knew what we, we know what we want, but we just can't seem to get there. We get lost. We say, yes, that sounds so good. I love that. That's awesome. We hear it on the radio or Pastor Nick or wherever we hear it. Uh, man, I wish I could do that. You know, we look at the athletes on TV. Are you kidding me? I wish I could do that. You know, we, we always think of what we could wish to do, like Disney. Well, I will just keep, or here's another one, I'll just keep on driving, hoping I'll figure it out. You know, I don't know what that <laughs> dumb button does, but I'm just going to keep driving. And then we start to make excuses. Well, maybe it isn't what God wants. Maybe I just, I'm not praying enough. Uh, I'm still better off than all the people in those poor countries. You know, at least I got that. I mean, I live in America. God doesn't want me to secede because I'm just doing something wrong. Maybe I'm just not one of the ones that he wants to bless. I'm being selfish. I'm being selfish anyway. I don't need to have those things. God is teaching me a lesson. That's a big one. There are limits to how much God can do anyway. I mean, I already have so many benefits. I should just be happy with what I have. You keep this up, and eventually you become a cynic who loves Jesus. You say, praise the Lord. I love him even though he gives me nothing I ask for. A cynic is one who sits in church and just can't wait till Jesse stops talking so he can leave. 
that's what it is. That's what eventually happens. So look, it says in the Bible, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who have it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 18, 21. Oh, does anybody get the piece of paper when you first came in? Everybody got the piece of paper? If you didn't, uh, Scott has the paper, so make sure everybody has a piece of paper. All right, on your paper, it has a nice little red line down the middle. On the left side, write Proverbs 18.21. Proverbs 18.21. And then on the other side, the right side, write um, the power of your tongue. The power of your tongue. Ultimately, really digging into this, like I have recently, asking is tied to belief, it's tied to your will, and it's tied to your faith. Those three big ones. It is more about what you've been saying than what you've been asking. It's been more about what you've been saying than what you've been asking. If you have been asking with no tangible results, then one or more of those three things are not in harmony. Picture with me for a second the Trinity. So we have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Those guys, guys, gals, those entities are so perfectly in harmony that there's nothing that they do that they don't agree upon. Nothing. The Holy Spirit isn't saying, come on, Jesus, I'm have to, you know, he got to do it last time. God isn't whining because he's carrying the heavier load than the other two. There isn't anything there, you know, that is not working perfectly in harmony. It would be a terrible day if that happens. It will be. The whole world would just deconstruct. So that there is something that we can really place our feet upon. We can sink our teeth into that and know that that is real. Those three manifestations of the Lord are in perfect harmony. There's nothing there that doesn't work together. I believe that these three manifestations have always existed since the beginning of time. And when they speak, it became. So what I want to highlight here is that the power of creativity comes from harmony. The power of creativity comes from harmony, not competition. If those three spirits, uh, entities together, manifestations, were to compete, there would be no creation. When one speaks, the the other two are speaking. When one the other one speaks, the other two are speaking. When the Holy Spirit moves, it's only because Jesus said so. When God says something, Jesus said it too. Those three always move in harmony. Therefore, there was creativity, or creation, the beginning of the world. So likewise, with us as humans, we must contemplate where we are competing and where we are creating. Our mind, body, and spirit all have to be in harmony to create something. If your mind is in agreement, but your heart isn't, or your heart is in it, but your doubt because your thinking tells you otherwise, Oh, yeah, and then we have the excuses of, I had to write this in with a pen. It came to me later. You get the, the thinking in your head, I don't want to do that. You know, that's, that's not fun. That's a lot of work. Their thinking starts getting in there, but the heart says, oh, that is so good. That's what the Lord is saying. I agree with that. It's so awesome. And then it gets up to here, and you're like, I don't want to do that. that that's hard. This competition will make it impossible to create faith. A life-moving faith is impossible if there is competition 
within those three entities. I was hitting Pastor Nick with this stuff this week. I was texting him back and forth while I was at work. And uh, he was like, yeah, it's awesome. And then he would throw me some more things. And I was like, but what about this? And he'd be like, well, think about this. And so we were going back and forth. And like always, Pastor Nick was able to narrow it down into a very fine point, you know, a very fine point. So I was hitting him with all this stuff. He said, faith and belief are our expressions of our will. Doubt is triggered in the mind by our emotions and senses. So your faith and your belief are expressions of your will, but doubt is triggered in the mind by our emotions and senses. If you understand unbelief as a decision to act, to not believe, as opposed to doubt, which refers to our natural feelings or thoughts. So if you have doubt, it doesn't mean you're unbelieving, you're disbelieving what God said. You just have the emotions, your feelings, all telling you otherwise. (laughs) But this doesn't mean... You made a decision to unbelieve, rather. You made a decision to let your natural senses determine the outcome. When we ask, we should see the answer already. That's what Jesus does. We so often hear with our eyes and think with our feelings. So often we hear with our eyes and we think with our feelings. Our feelings make that determination that thinking does the thinking for us. When Jesus spoke, Lazarus, come forth, he wasn't sweating. He wasn't standing there like, all right, God, you know, don't embarrass me. I'm right in front of everybody here. He said Lazarus come forth because God and the Holy Spirit said Lazarus come forth too. He was in harmony with the Trinity. They said the same thing. He was able to do this because his will, faith, and belief were in harmony. I know he was God, obviously. He was God, so what he said is going to happen. But it really isn't like some kind of special power that we can't have. All right, the next passage to write down in your notes, the paper I gave you, is John 14, John 14, 9 to 13. Jesus replied, Phil asked the question, just show us the Father and then we'll believe you. Phil asked this question. So Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. See, there's that harmony. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe, just at least believe because of the works you have seen me do. Verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Jesus said it twice. I'm sure Jesus doesn't waste time, but he wasted time to say that twice. Yes, ask anything in my name, and, you will, and I will do it. So on that passage I gave you on your notes, on the other side, write, ask and receive. Ask and receive. So, wow, what I just read there, <laughs> I read it and I still get scared. I, I get scared reading that aloud. Uh, maybe from some of you too. I mean, I actually have been scared to touch this subject much in my life, or at least on the pulpit, because uh, of my past, if that makes sense. I, I asked Pastor Nick about this subject, and he's like, just go for it, just do it. So I have his, he has my back, if you will. Um, where I went to school, 
uh, well, let me first. First, let me say. First thing is, as many, and I will mean many, will say, "Well, you have to use scripture against scripture. You got to compare scripture with other scripture." You know, I know Jesus said that in John fourteen, but look, he says this over here. Um, you have to read it in context. You can't just ask for anything. Like, two, I want two hundred pounds of chocolate, please. You know, you no, know, Jesus is not going to do that. Well. I don't think Jesus was saying those things and thinking that's what they were going to think. Seriously. I mean, Jesus doesn't waste time. He's not saying this so that they would think, and he's not implying that, guys, don't, that's not what I mean about anything. You know, he just said it. And I think disciples were aware of this too. And in fact, that big thick manual we have, they didn't have that to cross-check Jesus with. Well, whoa, 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 wait, you said... You know, and, and you also said over here, in, in the Old Testament, they didn't have any of that. So we have to be really careful to not read these passages and right away object. Right away. Uh, you know. And if your own experiences say that, you know, your own experiences say, well, it just never worked. Well, after today, I hope it works because it's going to be really good. But disciples were not standing there going, you know, wow, maybe we could just ask for this you know, awesome set of horses and a nice brand new fishing boat and God will give it to us. I don't really think that's what's going on there. They're really learning something, especially when Jesus said, if anything, just believe because of the works you have seen me do. That should be really good proof of the works. And what was his works he was doing? He was walking around healing and speaking with power and authority and all that stuff. So that's what he wanted them to see. So now I'm going to my testimony. Is my past was 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, I went to a, a small Christian private school. My parents sent me there probably because it was the cheapest one around. And one of our friends had gone there since like 8th, 6th or 7th or 8th grade or something, so there was our connection. So I went there uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th. I was homeschooled before. So it was my very first time going to a school. The high school was 30 kids total, so it wasn't like a great big school. The school was under a ministry of Prosperity Gospel. That was the ministry. I forget the name of the... It's a different name now. I forget what it was then. But um, their message was the very high on the Prosperity Gospel and all the top people. I mean, I met Creflo Dollar. He came to that church. Uh, all these people were just coming to the church and always preaching and talking about prosperity and name it and claim it, the famous phrase. So me not coming from that background... I wasn't so sure about all this, you know, and I thought a couple of things they were saying wasn't quite biblical. So ever since then, I've just been really shying away from that kind of lifestyle. You know, that's just, it just can't be that simple. It just can't be that easy. Well, lately, the past couple of years, I've been really challenging myself. Am I rejecting all of it because of my feelings? Uh, Am I really taking my time looking at this? And I, I really did, to bring this message to you, I hope I took my time. So, lately I realized what they were doing wrong, what they were doing wrong, and it was the power of creativity and the power of competition. So, what they were doing, they were speaking about John 14, they were speaking about Mark 11, Matthew, whatever that passage is, Jesus says it in almost every gospel about ask and you will receive. What they were doing was heavy on that and very light on the character of God, very light on humility and thankfulness and um, you know, character traits of who God is. And then what they were also doing was, instead of waiting for God to bring those things to them, they were just kind of going out and getting those things. So half of them were in debt, you know, 
Half of them were just borrowing money to have those awesome things that God has given them. Um, and you saw, Scripture said the testimony of your life is in your children, you know, I'm paraphrasing. Their kids in that school, except for a couple that I were able to kind of relate with, were just obnoxious and, and terrible and disrespectful to the teachers. And it was just, I was just, the teachers loved me because I wasn't one of them. You know, I just did not come out of that culture. So they were spoiling all these kids with all this stuff that God gave us, and we're paying loan back to get it. So it was a big mess, and I don't even know if that church is in existence. I know the school shut down. But they were doing, they were competing. They were competing, and they were afraid that if they weren't successful, the people would notice that in the church. I noticed a lot of times a family would come to the school and then go to that church and then leave because they were the poor family, you know, and they would look out of sorts going to that church. So that competing didn't bring any kind of life in that church. The creativity was very lacking. So the passage and the things of naming it and claim it and the ask and receive, that's all good. That's all biblical stuff. But it has to be in harmony with your belief, faith, and will. It has to be all those three. It has to be just like the Trinity. It has to be just. Oh, and another thing they always did was they tied it in with money. Your offering was part of your asking. And so the preacher was getting loads of money, and he was living a great lifestyle, and the people were suffering because they were just taking loans out. That always is a bad combination, bad combination. So tying all that in together was competition, and that competition eventually messed them up. They never really had full life, the full expression of the abundance of life. So I say all that because I was once sensitive to the power of the tongue. I was sensitive to that power, and I'm also sensitive to that prosperity gospel. Here I am. Yeah, so I said about the character of God, what they were not receiving a lot of was humility. The character of God was the humbleness, what Jesus did for the disciples. He served them. And then thankfulness. It was very little, I thank the Lord, I praise the Lord. It was always, oh, I always praise the Lord, but not very, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this because he gave me his life. He gave me his love. It was very, very light on that. So today, in this past couple of weeks, I've decided to confront that fear and I got this awesome revelation, I believe, about the creativity of the Trinity as opposed to competition. Consider this for a moment. Is it more effective when a drug addict who's been clean for years or alcoholic who's been sober for years speaks to those who wants to get out of that life? Is it more effective for him to speak to them? Or is it more effective for a drug addict to be hung out, strung out, or an alcoholic to be drunk and then speak to those people and say, you can get free, you can get sober? (laughs) You know, it's, it's not effective, right? Life as a Christian, as a Christian, is the same thing. Your life should be so abundantly clear and different that that would be more effective speaking to other people. So very often, because we're immersed with God's mercy and his love, that we want to extend that to other people. So we're praying for people, we're ministering to people, we're going after them and stuff, and that should never stop. But you should remember that if you take care of yourself first, kind of like the airplane, they give you the air oxygen thing, secure yours fastly before you help the kid next to you or the person who's struggling, you know. The same thing as the Christian is you need to take care of yourself too, which makes you more effective speaking to other people. God will bless you. He will love you. He will 
give you things that you ask for and give you the keys of the kingdom, you know, and I hop into my car where the door's falling off and, you know, and, uh, you know, the house is all a shambles or my clothes are a mess and my life's a wreck, you know. And I know image and stuff like that shouldn't be looked like that, but that's what the world sees. That's what the world sees. They're going to see your love. That's awesome. You're a real positive person. That's awesome. But the other stuff is going to really show, you know, wow, you know, God, you asked for that and God bless you for that. Yeah, isn't that amazing? It's awesome, you know. And I didn't have to take out a loan to get it. It's great. It's awesome. So, of course, that makes sense. So, let me move on here. I'm really moving on. This is great. It's quoted in Scripture in Romans 4, 7. Here, here's another one to write down. Romans 4. 17. Romans 4, 17. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Before him whom he believes, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which not be as though they were. So in this one, you can just say, call into existence. Call into existence. Next to the passage. So this is often quoted, very often quoted, and this is a very big-time faith church message. I heard this Romans 4.17 every day when I went to school there. So note God says, Make alive the dead and cause those things that be not. They're not in existence yet, as though they are already in existence. This is the essence of what God did in Genesis, with the creation. He said, Light be, and light came into being. There was nothing, no light, then there was light. So the question becomes then, does God want us to call those things that be not though as they are? Well, let's look what Jesus said in Mark chapter 11. So there's another one. Mark 11. Write that down. And Jesus, answering, said to them, Have God's faith. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, I'm sure you guys are all saying, Oh no, not the mountain passage again. I've heard that one so many times. Patrick Nick says it for years. Well, until we get it and we see a mountain removed, then, you know, it'll keep being uttered because we need to be reminded of what this means. He said to this mountain, be removed, be taken up and be put into the sea and have no doubt in his heart that thinking is in check and has faith that what he says will come to pass, it will come about, he will have his desire. For that reason I say to you, whatever you make a request for in prayer, have faith that has been given to you, and you will have it. So in this passage, Mark 11, is another ask and receive. So you can put that next to Mark 11. Ask and receive. Notice it says, have God's faith. So the Greek meaning here can be expressed, have the God kind of faith, or use God's kind of faith. Now if Jesus is teaching, as we thought if Jesus is teaching that we should actually use God's faith, faith, what we should we use? Use God's faith. That's what we should be using. So the promise here is not, I'm sorry, let's look at the rest of the passage here. Notice he says, whoever will say. The promise here is not to everyone. It is to anyone that will say. It's not for everyone. It's to anyone who will say. Pastor Nick says to say so. It's available to anyone who uses their say-so. The qualifier is that you be willing to speak God's word over a situation. And note, he is not saying talk about the situation. So here's the power of your tongue. Don't talk about your situation. 
I got money problems, I got car trouble, I got whatever. Don't talk about it. That is using the power of your tongue to be negative and on your life that will affect everything else. That negativity will kill. And I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'll get to that. So he's saying rather to talk to the situation. He said talk to the mountain. Don't talk about it. Oh my God, it's a huge. Don't talk about it. Don't look at it. Don't look at it with your eyes. Don't, don't hear with your eyes and don't think with your feelings. Don't look at it. Like saying, you know, don't look down. Just talk to it. Speak to it. You might be willing to say to the mountain what you want it to do. A lot of people are simple. You're not willing to say. They won't speak their faith. Or, as I said in earlier, they've done it, and it's, the mountain is still there. So they, they, they feel like it's not working. Once you believe, you have to speak. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, makes this clear. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. We believe, therefore we speak. Over and over again, the Bible makes it clear that once you believe, you must confess. In Romans 8.10.9, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is your Lord, and confess you with your mouth, you shall be saved. Right? We all know that passage very well. So you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth. You can't just think it up here in your head. You can't daydream. You can't wish it. You have to speak and confess with your mouth. You see it with the mind, though. You see it with the mind, though. You have to see it with the mind. You have to see the end result of a house from looking at the plans. Why do you think advertising and marketing always shows you the end result? If you drink this shake, look at this fit guy, man. He is awesome looking. Or you did on this diet, look at this woman in this bikini. She's rocking it. Or if you want to buy one of our houses, rare you see these commercials, this is what one of our houses look like on the inside by some construction company. Uh, you name it. Drink beer, and you have an awesome party, and everybody's having a blast. That's what the commercials are showing you. They're showing you the benefits of doing what we ha- want you to do. Drink Coke, and everything is fizzy and bubbly and fun. You know, That's what they're always trying to do. They're trying to project in your mind something that you will benefit from using this. They can't just say, drink Coke, you'll love it. It's not going to work. They're, they're going to give you an image or the billboard. It's always showing lots of fun for all those things. So you understand what that means. So you have to see the end result. So not only do you speak to the mountain, you have to see that mountain being be removed. That mountain isn't there. Isn't that weird? You've got to just picture the mountain isn't there. There is no obstacle in front of me. I know of a guy uh, a couple years ago who said, I'm going to make a movie, and it was like in January. And I'm going to have that movie ready by in a year, in January. He's never made a movie before. Didn't know anybody in show business. Didn't know anybody who knew how to make a movie. He said, I'm just going to make a movie. And he didn't want to just make a movie, like a YouTube movie. He wanted to make a professional, published, produced movie. And he projected in his mind what the movie was going to be about, what he was going to say, how it was going to bring, what it was going to provide for people, and went out there and did it. And he got the movie done in a year and released into the following January because he said what he was going to do. Now, if that happens in the natural, which happens all the time, what are our projections for this year? A company gets together. What's our goal? What do we want to earn this quarter or whatever? And then they go out and they make sure they can get that. And when they don't, then they have to readjust their thing. But 
more often than not, if you say, I want to make $10,000 this month and you're a salesman, you're going to get very close to that $10,000 a month. If you make that your goal, and that was your projection of what you wanted to get. You have to see it and the end result of what you want to get and then speak it. I also know another guy. Uh, I was at a uh, this seminar, a preaching seminar. I forget what it was about. But we're all sitting there and the preacher was speaking. And there was a guy sort of in a couple rows in the front there. And he stopped and he pointed to the guy and says, how many kids do you have? And the guy says, he just shook his head and he's like, you're like, what do you what do you mean? He's like, I don't have any kids. He kind of yelled out, "My wife and I have been trying. We don't have any kids." His wife's like, "Oh my gosh!" And uh, he's like, "How many kids do you have?" And he's still shaking his head, like, "Dude, I just said I don't have any kids." And he, third time, he finally caught on. How many kids do you have? And he says, "I have five. <laughs> and that's what they wanted. He said five. Um, it was pretty cool that they went to a church that we were familiar with and we visited. So. Guess how many kids do they have? Five. Years down the road, when I saw them again, they have five kids. His wife was like, he should have said three. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he said to him, don't look at the mountain of your situation. Just tell me how many kids you have. And then with faith, they, put, they moved in that way, and they had five kids. There it is right there, folks. There it is right there. Unwavering resolve. Now, I'm certain... When they had the third kid, and maybe it was taking a while to get the fourth kid, doubt probably could have crept in. It's not like we're supposed to be robots and, you know, computerized robots that don't doubt. I'm sure they had some resolve in shaky times, but that unwavering resolve to stand on the Trinity, to stand on that creativity, brought that to pass. That, that, that doubt is like a cancer. I'm getting ahead of myself again. So I witnessed this, and this preacher did this. It was really, really cool. The word salvation used in the Romans passage means all these things. It literally means wholeness or complete restoration. As Pat Nick liked to say, a new creation. This biblical, new species, rather. This biblical principle of confessing God's word to bring to pass what is true in the spiritual realm into manifestations into the natural realm is the ask feature. Ask.com. Speaking the word of God brings power and authority to bear on a physical problem. Consider the fact of the centurion. Oh, not the centurion story again. It's true. It's very, very true. This guy said to Jesus, you can't come into my house because I'm not of the Jewish lineage. I'm not worthy. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. What did Jesus say? I have not seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. And he's surrounded by the scribes and the Pharisees, you know. He has not found so great a faith, not in Israel. So this guy's belief, his will, and his faith were all in harmony. And he projected it toward the ask feature, and Jesus said, you got it. It's yours. Even the Israelites of that day had a covenant with God, but the faith of the centurion was more than theirs. Um, let me move on ahead here. Where is that passage that, God, that Jesus said with faith? Faith in God, nothing is impossible. That's another great passage. In Matthew 12, 34, 37, he said, You brood of snakes, how evil men like you speak what is good and right, for whatsoever is in your heart determines what you say. So the treasures of your heart, what's down in here is going to come out. So what are you putting into your heart? What seeds are you planting down in your heart? 
You know, we've heard this before. This is not new to a lot of you guys. The word you say will either acquit you or quit you or condemn you. He said this um, to the scribes and the Pharisees, as I said. So, notice he says that one speaks, he puts the treasure out of the treasure of one's heart. The word treasure used here means deposit. So, out of what you have deposited into your heart or spirit, you will speak out of your mouth. Anyone have fast food? That's not a great deposit. You know, the garbage you watch on TV, you watch enough of that stuff, that's not a great deposit. It's going to come back out of you. Uh, the negativity in your life, the speaking of the mountain, speaking about it, is not good. It's just going to poison you. And then what's going to come out of your mouth is just going to be this cycle effect of more garbage. Notice that Jesus said that he will be judged for every idle word. Again, the Greek says, every idle, inoperative, non-productive word that we speak. It's non-productive. It doesn't produce anything. We should use words carefully as though they were power tools. You don't haphazardly use a power tool or you can get seriously hurt. Now, some of them have those safety features that probably annoy some people because they're always in the way while you're trying to saw something that's pescatory. But it's there to be safe so you don't cut your finger off, you don't you know, hurt yourself. Um, if you walk around with a chainsaw and you just turn around and you're just waving it around at people, you're going to hurt somebody you know, with a big chainsaw. It's, Use your words carefully as if it was a chainsaw. The Bible teaches that the mouth, or the tongue, sets in motion the cycle of natural events. It is therefore a process. That's why when you say, whew, that scared me to death, you don't die. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, I hope you die. If the person doesn't die. You know what I'm saying? It's a cycle. It's a process. If you continually speak it and speak it and speak it, then you're going to start killing it and you're going to start hurting it. Uh, if you put a little bit of poison on a tree, chances are it's not going to die right away. It takes another application, especially if it's a big, strong tree. It takes a, couple, you know, it takes a while to kill something instead of just saying, you die, and then it's going to die right like that. Does that make sense? It's a process of natural events. In James 3.6, And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is not and it is set on fire of hell. The phrase sets on fire the course of nature in the original Greek sets in motion the cycle of natural events. A simple little thing that you might think is innocuous. A little thought that would set a chain of events that down the road you never realize how it's hurting you. It's hampering your efforts. It's really destroying you slowly like a cancer. Satan, therefore, tries to get you to speak contrary to God's word. And it sets a motion of that chain of events or a cycle that will lead to destruction. He uses the very power of your own words against you. That's his biggest awesome trick. He had Eve say something different, contrary to the word. That's what he'd been doing right from the beginning, saying you saying something that's contrary to the word. The thoughts and temptations that we speak of those words that come into our life of death and fear are the method Satan attempts to use to set our tongue on the fires of hell. But what Ephesians, write this down in your paper I gave you, Ephesians 6, 16. Ephesians 6, 16. Above all, above all, he just went through the whole armor of God, but above all, 
So this is a key. This is a big one. Taking the shield of faith, where you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The fiery darts are designed to set your mouth against you. You have to surround yourself with that shield of faith. I was picturing uh, the 300, you know, and they had that cool formation where all the shields came down, and they were impenetrable because they went like this and like this, and you couldn't even see the dudes, you know. That's how I pictured a shield of faith. You know, you're, you're all completely enclosed, nothing coming in. But that's how you have to see it. I'm, no th- I'm one of the 300. I'm staying underneath this thing, and I'm not going to allow the devil to get into one little iota, one small sliver of doubt and negativity into my life. I'm just not going to allow it. You have to think that way. Psalm 119.11 says, Your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hide the word of God in your heart. Store it in there. And in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but shall, shall, I, shall, I will meditate on this day and night and observe to do according all that is written within. For then you shall make thy way prosperous, and you shall make my... Uh, you shall make my way prosperous, and you shall have good success. Prosperous and success. If you want to be prosperous and have good success, then you should meditate on God's word. Then what you have stored in your heart, down in here, will come out of your mouth. And that word, God's word, God's kind of faith, the Trinity kind of faith, will come out of your mouth within itself. It's causing that thing to come to pass because the very Trinity is in your heart. The very Trinity, the very essence of the creativity of the Trinity is within your heart. No competition, creativity. All right, so let's get practical. This is the how-to. Ready? This is the how-to. Your will and your faith and your belief all need to be in harmony. The enemy never stops keeping his fire hot. Never. Like the Lord of the Rings you can't see what they're doing on the ground, but they're boiling hot and they're creating their army and they're always boiling and churning and there's hatred and obscene language and vile things just cooking. And that's, the Satan got that thing hooking 24-7, 365 days a year. He is not going to stop doing what he's doing until the end of time. Very similarly, you have to keep that fire burning in your heart. You have to keep it running hot all the time. That shield of faith always has to be up. If you have one little moment of weakness, quickly get back on your feet. Quickly get the shield back up again. It only takes a little. Don't play with your life. Don't play with your eternity. Don't play with your destiny. Don't, it's not a thing to toy with. You've got a really brief time here. Use it. You know, use the things that the Lord has given you. The excuse, this probably happens every morning when you wake up, which is why I'm giving you this awesome homework, is, oh, man, I don't feel like it today. I just don't got it. I just don't have it. I just can't do it. That's when you say to Jesus, truthfully, I don't have it. I'm going to need your help today. Jesus says, let's saddle up. Let's do this. I'm with you. I'm sending my angels, my Holy Spirit. We're going to help you. So now you got that shield of faith. And you look around and you're like, oh my gosh, there's a whole bunch of them. Right. <laughs> All right, I love this. So you have that excuse, hit it in the head, punch it, box it, kick it, stand it, you know, do something. Get a little bag and punch it. Just get it out of your system that you don't feel like doing it. 
Look, I had this revelation, mind-blowing revelation. I was going through the whole motions of, is this really true? Does it really happen? And believe me, I have prayed, and I've done the same thing, prayed for the mountain. I've been to three Benny Hinn conferences. I've done them all. You know, I've done them all. But I, I have not seen the mountain be removed. And I, I'm sure you all, most of you know what I'm talking about. That doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Because, because <clears throat> God's mercy and love is saying, look, if, if you go back to John 14, he says that it will bring me glory. That it will bring me glory. The thing that you are asking for, the thing that you are pressing in to have God provide for you, it's going to bring him glory. And so the amount of effort and amount of time and the amount of uh, struggle to get to the thing that what you want is so worth it because it brings him glory. Amen. It brings him glory. So what if it takes a year? I have, another, I have so many stories. I have another friend. Their van was falling apart. He's a pastor, but a small church doesn't get any money from the church. The van's falling apart. They don't want to go out and go get another one. They don't have the, quite the money to get a nicer used one. So they just prayed, Lord, we need a van. This one's on his last legs. And a year later, somehow the chain of events, and someone knows somebody, someone knows somebody, gave him a van. It had only like 30,000 miles on it, brand new. All four, they have four girls, just like me. All four girls can fit in it. It's beautiful, and they're praising the Lord. No debt, no nothing. And that brought glory to God. Where'd you get this van? God gave it to me. Because that's what we wanted. We just believed it. I mean, that's awesome. So look, here's the revelation I have. To prove that this works, where you are today, is the product of your thinking. Whatever struggle you're with, whatever thing you haven't gotten yet, that is a product of your thinking. It's, you already have proven that the method, if you want to call it a method, works. You are a product of where you are today. God's always looking to bring glory to him. So he's not going to just wing it. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think of the Jim Gaffigan comic. Oh, give him another fry. You know, <laughs> Just give him one more. You know, God's not just giving you one little extra thing. Just to make you, you know, you gave me just a little bit more that I can keep going, you know. Uh, I got green lights today all the way to work. Praise God, you know. God, like, I did that just so you kind of remember I was still around. You know, I'm not trying to be mean. You know, no, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. So you already have proof that this works, right? Where you are today, whatever lack you have, whatever it is in your life, you already have proof that that works because that's where you are. The... Uh, but it hit me right in the face. I had to look in the mirror. I was like, what, the things I have not seen come to pass yet in my life is because I have not believed it. I have not totally believed it with fire burning hot that the Lord bring it to pass. That is, the, again, the creativity of the Trinity. I've been competing with myself. I'll believe it's so good here, and I just can't wait till the service is over. You know, and, and I think this really makes a lot of sense in my head but I have no will to make it happen. I have no will to put into it. I just, you know, I'm tired. Whatever the case may be, I've been competing, 
competition will not bring about the results that you're looking for. So let's make a commitment when, uh, with each other. Here I am, I think I covered this, I covered that. So, okay, so it comes down to a choice. So here's where we're going to make the commitment, all right? I gave you the piece of paper to write down those scriptures and to kind of have a guideline, a remembrance of what God is saying, what Jesus is saying. On the other side, I want you to write down what it is that you want. Now, some of you might not know right away. Uh, I'm put on the spot. I don't know what I want. Um, but some of you have been knowing what you want forever. I already wrote mine down. I already know what I want. I wrote it down. If you know what you want, write it down. Just go ahead and write it down. If you don't, it's okay. I'm not going to play the Jeopardy song while you guys you know, try to figure this out. You know what you want, just go ahead and write it down. Write it down. I'm doing this to have you do this first, and then I'll kind of give you some ideas of what you can write down. And then maybe you can edit what you wrote down. Maybe think bigger than what you're thinking. Instead of the $100, ask for 10 Something like that. So here are the rules. Uh, oh, first, I'm speaking again in two weeks. And uh, Pat Nick is away again. Uh, he's been a, he has a busy month. I think they're doing their anniversary Connecticut church ministry, 40 years up there. So uh, I'm speaking again in two weeks. So we, I'm, asking, I'm asking for you guys to make a two-week commitment with me. Starting today, a two-week commitment. And then that Sunday, I want to change the format a little bit and have some testimonies. I want to see the result of having this two-week commitment with each other. If you guys can hold me accountable, I'll hold you accountable. <laughs> so the number one rule of this commitment, if you so choose, I'm not going to make you guys do this, but I really want you to. It'll make me really sad if you don't. But the first rule is no negativity. No negativity. That's the first rule. And this one's huge for the news junkies. Um, I, I had to take off two apps on my phone. I had to take off two apps on my phone that would give me news. You know, I'm a news junkie. I love the latest news. Um, although I've done a lot better this year with the political cycle. I haven't watched a, a, a thing at all. I'm so burned out from three years ago. But I, I don't watch news anymore, but I like to read about the news. Well, reading and seeing is the same thing. So no negativity. If you guys can make that commitment for the next two weeks, I guarantee you, at the very least, your spirit will be stronger. So no local news, no national news, no news app, no news feed. If you need to know the weather, it's going to be hot and sunny. You don't need to check the weather. But if you want to check the weather, there's a weather app. That's okay. That's, that's the only negativity you're allowed to read. Oh, my gosh, it's 85 again. But... Everything else, shut out. Just don't do it. Even Facebook and social media, if you just want to see your friends or whatever, but don't allow any negativity in your life. You know, shows that you watch, uh, people killing people, they're actors, but that's not giving life. That's not putting life into your, in your spirit. So just shut it off for two weeks, for two weeks. After that, if you feel like you want to go back to it, fine. But for two weeks, zero, zilch, none negativity. None. If you can make that commitment, I'm doing it. My wife is doing it. 
no negativity. And that's hard for her with her crime. <laughs> with, with, with her crime shows. Oh my gosh. So we have to begin the work of speaking life to the tree, and this tree starts growing on its own as a little sapling. You know, you see them, I'm sure, and you cut them down. They're right around the tree usually. These little sprouts that come up are a little stronger. As soon as you speak something negative, when it's that small, you just went, you just killed it. You just squished it. You just squished it. You may have even uprooted it, but you just stomped it. If you let something grow up into a tree and it's got some branches and it's looking great and it's looking healthy, yes, it's awesome, and I'm still not getting what I'm looking for, though. God's still not giving me what I want, you know. Negativity. Don't say, God is not giving me what I want. He just gave you a tree. The faith in your life has grown to a tree. As soon as you start thinking negative, you're not getting what you want. <laughs> just took a chainsaw right off a limb. <laughs> there, goes the, there goes the limb. And you're like, oh my God! Now you're thinking more negativity. <laughs> you just took off another branch. <laughs> Every time you speak negativity, the chainsaw is out. And it's cutting down the very thing that you're trying to build. The very thing that you're trying to do. You're creating something. God said, I create the world, and it was good. You know, he took his time, I have to believe, that he saw how good the stuff was. It wasn't just like, bam, 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 all right, seven days, and then there's Adam and Eve, and boom, 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 and everything, you know. I just don't see God in a hurry. He had to see that it was good, and why is it good? You know, because the way the waves move and the way the the climates change and the seasons and the way the animals interact and it was awesome. It was good. He didn't think one negative thought. You know, boy, that water's a little cold. <laughs> you know, whatever. He's not thinking anything like that. He created it and it's good. And we just have to accept that God created the seagulls and the pigeons and the things that poop on our cars. So the negativity, the chainsaw... Put it in the shed. Lock the shed. Don't take the chainsaw out. No negative TV. And, uh, and set aside all other things that has to do with that, okay? Use your best judgment. And past experiences. That's a big one. I, Jesse, I prayed before. It didn't come to pass. It didn't work. I thought I, I did everything that the Bible said. Put it aside. Put it in that same shed with the chainsaw and lock it. Number two, second rule, if you will, is you have to, every night before you go to bed, and I look at it, Seth, you know, every morning before you go to bed, um, everybody has different schedules, so work with your schedule. Every morning before you go to bed, before you, every night before you go to bed, you need to write down what you just wrote down today, what you want. You need to write it down. Get another sheet of paper and write it down, put it next to your glasses, Put it next to your phone. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it again. Every morning you wake up, you write down what you want again. But the, the notes I gave you today, always keep there too. But I want you to physically write down what you want every morning and every night. That just, there's just a power to that reaffirming what you wrote. And you'll notice as you start writing it down every day, it's becoming uh, more you're seeing more of what you're writing. It's almost like doing a drawing for a house. Every day you sit down and you draw a little more, and you're like, hmm, maybe I can add a wing to it. You know, and I can put the 
room over here, and that would be only mine. And you know, you can you can you can imagine what you want, and then you say what you want. When you write down, you say what you want. I wanted this, and I, Lord, I want that. And then the scriptures I gave you today, read those. Read those scriptures. I got something, and I got something even better. I'm going to do for you guys too. But for that, that's number two. We know the Bible says being repetitive is vain, the vain repetitions. And what it was referring to is the scribes and the Pharisees would just mutter the same thing over and over again, over and over, over and over, over and over, over and over. You know, with no heart, no will, no thought behind it. They're just over and over, over, over. They're just saying it over again. I've seen it. And Israel at the Wailing Wall, they stand there with their petition, and they just over and over, 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 and they just utter over and over and over again. It's really funny. It is. But that's not what we're doing here. We're just, we're physically, actively pursuing what we want. And we're putting it down. We say, God, I'm putting this on paper, and I ask you for this thing, and here it is. It's not like uh, how many times you say, I believe. Like Susan, the girl Susan in Miracle on 34th Street. I believe, I believe, I believe. She's just muttering it. But then she gets the house, because Santa gave her the house. You know, that's not how it works. You can't just have an unemotional attachment to what you want. All right, so... You cannot create something that you can't see. We talked about that. You can't create a house if you don't see it. It's going to look funny as you go along. You know, oh crap! I should have put more foundation over here because I'm trying to build. You know, you got to see what you want, and then you got to build it, right? To think in harmony with faith, will, and belief is to think truth in spite of the appearances. To think in harmony with faith, will, and belief is to think truth in spite of the appearances. This one is hard. It is hard. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. To force your senses to come under the submission of your will, faith, and belief is probably the most toughest thing you've got to do. But with God, all things are possible. So write that down in your notes. Read that every morning and every night. Whatever it is that you've got to find that's positive and affirming what you're looking for, write those things down. With God, all things are possible. So that's number two. No negativity, number one. Number two, write down every day twice, morning and evening, or whatever your schedule permits. Number three is, now I'm getting into what you want. You must ask for what you want. As I said earlier, don't ask what you want for other people. Ask what you want. Ask what you want. Look for something that will bring glory to God and to your life. And then, and forgive me, don't stop praying for people, you know, next two weeks. If there's people on your heart and you're praying for them, whatever, you know, absolutely. But for this exercise, pray for what you want. Pray for something that would change your life that would bring glory to God for the next two weeks. So it has to be something that you want. Why would someone want something from you that they already have? Or why would someone want something from you that they don't want? You know what I'm saying? Let your life be changed and they'll see that. Especially those who are close to you. I guarantee you, when God heals me, there's going to be something changing in my family. That's going to be the key to having them glorify God again. That's going to be the key. It really is. Because they're not. And they all know me so well and my condition that when they see it, that's going to bring God glory. So pray for what you want. And in asking what you want, think big. Think big. We suffer from lack syndrome. And that's why number one says no negativity. Because once a day, if not a million times a day, 
there's not enough water, there's not enough gas, there's not enough air, there's not enough trees, there's not enough this, and there's not enough that, and there's not enough people, not enough money, not enough taxes. Not, there's a lack of everything is in lack. That affects you. So think big. If you're asking for a little bit of money, all right, God may give you that little bit of money, but God's probably saying, hey, I have a lot more that I can give you. Why are you asking for something so small? So think big in what you want. There is no shortage with God. He spoke when there was nothing. He put the E in existence. Do you think he can't give you what you want? Do you think he can't give you what you want? Do you think that he doesn't have the ability? Those three things, faith, will, and belief, has to say yes to that. Because that's what the Spirit, Holy Spirit and Jesus and God say. The Trinity, they all said yes. They all said, let there be. Jesus said, come forth, pick up your mat and walk. Your faith has made you well. All three of them said, yes, you can have that healing. All three of them said, Lazarus, come forth. So those three are in harmony, has to say yes to God having the ability to do that for you. You have to say to yourself, anytime that someone tries to tell you there's not enough of something, you've got to say, it's not true. It's just not true. The big one is oil. There's not enough oil. It's just not true. There is so much. It's unbelievable. But that's beside the fact. It's just not true. You have to say to it, get behind me, Satan. It's not true. Keep your shield of faith up and stand firm. Your spirit will rise with faith because of the word of God that is hidden in your heart. Your belief will withstand the fiery darts because your faith is strong. And your will will be engaged because I'm like to throw this little in there, because it would be your moral duty to do so. I was thinking about it the other day is, do I not murder someone because I know murder is wrong, or is it because I'm afraid to go to jail? You know what I mean? If I don't get caught, will the murder still be wrong? You know, don't get scared. I'm not thinking of killing anybody. But the very things that the Ten Commandments tell us not to do the law in itself, and to love your God with your whole heart, mind, and strength. What is keeping us from doing those things is that you've got to answer that. What's keeping you from doing those things? What's keeping you from doing the very you know, wrong things? Because somewhere deep inside of you, there's some kind of a morality that says that those things are wrong. And the people who do do those things are just having a very hard time understanding what morals are. They have a lack of morals, or whatever the case may be. But if you can consider, uh, if you can consider that your will is involved, your willpower is involved. That thing that God gives you, He allows you to have that choice. He's not going to force your will. Is a moral thing. I wonder how that would convince you that you need to do this. You need to live a life that glorifies God. It's moral. Let's give it a moral attribute. That's a moral thing that you must do. Not, you don't do it, you just broke a commandment. You just broke a moral law. It's something to think about. So just like the Trinity, how Jesus did the will of the Father, it was working together in harmony to create, to call something into existence as if it already existed. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. That's that John 14 passage again, verse 13. And Matthew 7, 7. Write this down in your notes too. Matthew 7, 7. Keep on asking. Isn't that awesome? Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, 
and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Matthew 7, 7, if you wrote down your notes, next to it, right, keep on. Keep on keeping on. Sounds like a hippie 70s statement. Keep on, man. Keep on. So, again, no negative influence. Write down every night and every morning what you want, and then read those scriptures, what the truth, into those things, into what you want. Think big and be specific. Number three, this is what you want, not what you want for others. Keep praying for others, but for this exercise, what is it that you want? What's something that your life is going to glorify God? And finally and lastly, number four, is to do all of this, do all of this with the absolute spirit of thankfulness, of gratitude and thankfulness. Thank the Lord for that thing that you want. Thank him and thank him and thank him. Because thankfulness is that humility factor in our lives of saying, you are my father. Thank you that you, have, you want to give me these good things. Thank you, Lord. You know, thank him is like the conduit, if you will, being plugged into the spirit of the Lord. The, the force of the Lord moving in your life works on that wave of thankfulness being thankful for what you want. So that way we don't become this spoiled, selfish kids asking daddy for stuff. We're being thankful for the things that we have. You know, I'm teaching, Aubrey and I are teaching our girls that. The things you have are, you know, Joey kind of getting it. You know, when they get to the age of understanding, you know, there's things that you're asking for, it costs money. You know, that stuff, that concept. But as adults, let's not make that mistake that there's not a, uh, something involved here with your father and you just ask him like Santa Claus. Amen? Yeah. Always work with the state of gratitude. God is the lifeblood. The gratitude of God is the lifeblood of a Christian. Praise him for his goodness. Thank him for hearing your prayer. Thank him for the ability to be his son and daughter. So when you, I said earlier, how do I know what I want? You know, I struggled with this before. And I really struggled with adding this. It's just one page left here. Struggling with adding this part. Adding this one little thing here. Because the, the past experiences is so strong and so vivid in our lives, it makes us worried about being a fool. You know, I did a couple of things in my life trusting in God, and I really looked bad. And that hurts you. Eventually, you just don't want to do that anymore. You don't want to be the guy looking like you're foolish, looking like an idiot. And so that past experience. So when Jesus spoke and all these you know, ask and receive, it's a shame that we always have to put an addendum on it. There's always the small print. There's always the uh, disclaimer, you know. Uh, when, when he was talking to the disciples, he never backtracked on his truth, like later. He didn't say, you know, hey guys, you know, what I really meant out there, you know, it doesn't always work that way. You know, you have to take it with a grain of salt, the stuff I said. He doesn't say, hey guys, uh, you know, keep your faith up, uh, hang in there, but you know, just don't give up because what I told the masses and the crowds wasn't really true. So I want to talk about the benefit of asking. So just real quick, hang with me here. The benefit of asking is so crucial to the life of a Christian. The promise of ask and receive, even with the conditions that we try to make or that are, can never disappoint because there is no chance of things that we need not being in God's will. 
He promises to supply what we need when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Of course, what we want to is not always what we need. What we want is always not what we need. If we want is not in God's will, then we actually don't want to receive that very thing. Why would God allow you to have something that is not in his will? No, you know, you can't have that brand new car because you might get in an accident and you might lose your life, whatever. God knows. He knows the best for your life. God knows what is good for us and is faithful and loving to fulfill that. God will always give us good things. So our job is to understand what is good so that we know what to ask for. A natural mind cannot understand this. But when we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice and are transformed by the renewing of our mind, then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will, in Romans, as Romans says. So, asking for what we want in faith, we will have all we need for life and godliness, life in him and godliness and fullness of joy. The biblical instruction concerning prayer is that we pray for the good things that we need according to the will of God and the authority of Jesus Christ persistently. That's the key. We ask for what we want. Come to Jesus for it, and we are persistent. God, I want this thing. I know it sounds terrible, but it's, it's really affirming what it is that you want. Lord, I want this thing. This is what I want. And giving that to him is not only glorify him already in the prayer, he knows that's the good thing that you need. Does that make sense? Your life, living these next two weeks, if you're going to do this with me, is going to transform. It is going to change. I'm laying that out there. It is going to change your life. So we do this. We, we ask according to the will of God and the authority of Jesus Christ persistently, unselfishly, and in faith. Jesus, again, emphasizes faith. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So those who truly believe God will witness the amazing, infinite power of God. We know that asking must be done within the will of God. Part of having faith is acceding to God's plan as best. Not your plan. Oh, maybe my condition is actually honoring God. Or maybe this. Not your plan. Find out what God's plan is for your life. But you have to accede to that. You have to, God, what is your plan for my life? This is what I want. So what is your plan for my life? Lord, this is what I want. What is your plan for my life? Lord, this is what I want. What is your plan for my life? We know that the asking must be done. I already said that, sorry. Ultimately, there is a larger and better plan God has for us. But you never would have known any of these things if you had not persisted in faith and finding it out. So instead of the human reaction of, he didn't answer my prayer, again, we say, he heard my prayer and I am expecting good things for him, and I will not stop asking. That is a positive, reinforcing message to those three things in your life. Faith, belief, and your will. So that's it. Don't allow a single negative thought to find its way in. Keep your shield of faith intact, and set your face like a fence. Lastly, consider Psalms 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. First, you must delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The verse did not give us a way to manipulate God, nor does it mean that if we obey, he will award us like a, a treat, you know, like a dog. Good boy, here's a treat. That's not how he's doing it. Rather, it means that when we delight ourselves in God, 
in thankfulness and praise, then we will find everything we want and need in him. The key is to have the heart of a seeker. The heart of a seeker. That heart of a seeker is changed when we delight in the Lord. God's desire begins to become our own. Ooh. God's desires now become our own. When our desires match God's, then our prayers are automatically aligned with his will. So now, instead of the three, there's four of you. Who was in the fiery furnace? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And who was that fourth guy? There was four. You are now in harmony with the Trinity, becoming one. All four of you. So just like we read in John, where Jesus said, uh, I only did what the Father said, they were in that harmony. So among the most important prayer in the life of a Christian are to teach me to love you above all else and cause me not to want, I mean, sorry, cause me to want what you want. No competing, just creating. I want, to want, I want what you want, Lord. This is what I want. Show me your will. This is what I want. Show me your will. Keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. You're not competing, you're creating. You're working with the Trinity. When we truly desire God, when we are passionate to see his will accomplished in this world and in our lives, and when we ask for what brings him glory, he is eager to give us anything we ask for. When we pray within his will and the authority of Jesus, persistently, unselfishly, and in faith, we will receive what we need. Amen? Amen? So those are the rules. Now here's the final thing that I'm going to offer you guys. I was going to have you all write down your name and phone number and email address. And that way I could daily send you a reaffirming scripture or uh, affirming positive message or any of those things. I was going to do that for you because, you know, technology makes that really easy. Then I realized, you know, my smartphone. Why am I doing something so old-fashioned? So with all your phones, you can write it down on your notes. Write down my phone number if you don't have it. My phone number is 727-744-6904. Are we broadcasting this message to to the world? (laughs) 727-744-6904. Text me and just say, I want to receive your daily text. Or text me and say, send it to this email, your daily affirmation message. Whatever is best that you like to receive, I'll send it. I will send it in the morning. Don't worry, it won't be like 6 in the morning or 7 in the morning. Um, and again at night, and I'll just show you guys that I'm doing the exact same thing that you're doing. I'm shutting off all the negativity. I'm asking for what I want. And uh, I'm, asking, I'm asking in thankfulness and... What was number two? Yes. So I will do that for you guys every day to reaffirm this message and reaffirm what we're going to do today. So let's stand. And I'm sorry? Yeah, 727-744-6904. Come on, Jerry. You've been texting before. I'm kind of hurt. Jeez. Is that... Is that why you always... No negativity. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jesse, is this why the Patriots haven't lost yet? Huh? Is this why the Patriots haven't lost yet? Someone no can... comment. <laughs> 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 negativity. 
Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, I know. I know it sounds so keep positive, positive vibes, you know. I hate the fact that we shun it because everything in life began where? With creation and the way God set in motion. So don't let the, the, the mystical crowd own all the positivity. Why should they own it? That came from God. That didn't come from them. They're just using a portion of what God has offered without the life giver living within them. We have the life giver within us, and we use positivity. Now we're talking. Okay? So don't shun it because I know there's a lot of self-help crap out there, but that all existed first because God created it. Use it in a godly way, and then now you're, now you're doing something correct. Make sense? Thank you for listening to this and, and writing this stuff down. I am so excited. I hope I get like 20 text messages and, uh, and some from police people I've never met before. And, uh, and we're going to do this for two weeks. Now, just like running or fasting or anything, the first couple are going to be hard. Push through those first couple of days of rejecting the negativity and the, all the negative stuff that hits you. But once you get rolling on this, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And you're going to see God move in your life. I'm not guaranteeing anything except this. God's going to move in your life. God is going to move in your life. Amen? Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this message that you have created since the beginning of time. And that Jesus came to your earth to speak these things to us. And that he is still speaking them today. Just because... It was written 2,000 years ago, makes it no less important in this day and age. Lord, help us with our unbelief. Help us with our doubt. Help us with, Lord, if our mountain in our life is unbelief, if the mountain in our life is doubt, then help us speak to that very thing that tries to tear us down. Lord, help us to speak to that mountain instead of talking about it. Speaking to it instead of about it, Lord, give us that power in our mind as we wake up each day and before we go to bed each day. Lord, I wish I had more loftier words to praise you for how awesome you are and how amazing you are. And just like the prophets of old, Lord, who just fell at your feet, Lord, that's all we can do. Lord, we just praise you and we thank you for your mercy and your love and your long-suffering arm. And we praise you for your ability to answer all of our wants, to respond to all of our wants, and to help us to align ourselves with your will. We praise you for that, Lord, and we thank you. As we go about these next two weeks, we would have some awesome testimonies and praise reports. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I believe, Lord, that you will move and you will reign and you will impart your life into each one of us today. Lord, I believe that you will be there for all of us on a daily basis, as like you always are, but we will feel you and know you in a more tangible way. Lord, I speak for everybody here who has decided to take a part of this exercise, that they would be all moved and changed for the better, Lord, in finding out what your will is, Lord. And for myself as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just give him some praise. Hallelujah.